the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, thank you, Claudia, for reading for us. And uh, good evening, 5 p.m. Uh, great to open the God's Word with you again. Uh, before we do that, let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you for your Word, and thank you that your Gospel has uh, spread um, from Jews to uh, Samaria to the Gentiles to us now. And Father, we pray that as we open your Word, um, your, your, your word will, will speak to us, uh, will soften our hearts and help us to submit to you. Pray that I can be clear and faithful to your word as well. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what's a serious disagreement you have witnessed within a church? In my experience, some of the most serious disagreements in a church can come from a clash between religious traditions and gospel principles. And it can turn really ugly. Well, when I was a college student back in Australia, I experienced one of these clashes at a church I was in. Uh, it was a local Anglican church uh, with a Cantonese-speaking congregation. And most of its members grew up in Hong Kong Anglicans uh, and moved to Sydney 
And so the style and liturgy are almost identical to a Hong Kong Anglican church um, 20 years ago. It's a tradition that most in the congregation are very familiar with. And so when a new minister arrived at that church and starts to do things differently, it causes some really serious disagreements among the church. Disagreements in all sorts of areas, things that I could never have imagined, like lighting candles and color of the tablecloth on the stage, or, or what the minister wears, or, or what, where he sits during the service, uh, whether we need an organ for the service or a piano would suffice. And just in the, with the order of the service, um, the benediction at the end of the service, uh, there were many questions raised from the congregation uh, regarding the use of Jude 24 to 25 instead of 2 Corinthians. It was a pretty tough time for the church. A loss of intense moments, lots of disagreements, lots of hurts and pains within the church. Well, it's not easy to distinguish traditions from gospel principles. Uh, all of us are used to some sort of Christian traditions. Even ourselves as evangelicals, uh, we are programmed to think and to express Christian ideas in a certain way. We are used to a certain way of doing church, and when these things change, it can unsettle us easily and cause overreactions in us. Well, we are currently in a sermon series in Acts, and last week we read about Cornelius, a Gentile who has turned to Christ. God has included not just the Jews, but also Gentiles to be part of his people, a very significant development in salvation history. And today, after visiting uh, Cornelius, Peter, he went back to Jerusalem, and he finds himself in a clash between a certain Jewish tradition and the gospel of God. Well, how does Peter handle this situation? Uh, how does he position himself between religious traditions and, and God's plan? Well, we'll, we'll divide our passage into three parts. So first, the issue, second, Peter's response, and third, our discernment. Oh, point one, the issue. Well, Cornelius' conversion has led to some pretty surprising response by the Jewish believers, Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. So in verses 2 and 3. Verse 2. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, uh, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went to the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Well, this is a very different response compared to the time when the Sumerian accepted the word of God in chapter 8, verse 14. When Samaria accepted the word of God, Peter and John, the two apostles, they were sent to Samaria to testify and to proclaim God's word to them. Whereas this time, Peter received a totally different response by Jerusalem. 
he was criticized by uh, the circumcised believers uh, for going into Cornelius' house and eating with them. Why is there such a big difference in response? What's the big deal this time that triggers such a serious objection? On the surface, it might just look like it's just about food and choice of company. Like two groups of high schoolers um, not getting along with each other. And so, some get, and so you're again kind of questioning you why you interact with a member from the other gang. It sounds pretty childish, doesn't it? Well, not so to the Jews. Uh, it's a long-held tradition that Jews do not interact with Gentiles. For example, in the book of the Jubilees, uh, not from the Bible, but an ancient Jewish uh, religious work which was well known to early Christians. Uh, in chapter 22, verse 16, uh, it says to the Jews, separate thyself from the nations and eat not with them and do not according to their works and become not their associate for their works are unclean and all their ways are pollution and an abomination and uncleanness. This criticism by the circumcised believers rooted from some long-standing Jewish tradition the Jews and Gentiles do not associate with each other. It's not just some trivial custom. It's a religious tradition that Jews hold on to very firmly. And it's not easy to distinguish religious traditions from gospel principles. Uh, religious traditions are like barnacles on sea turtles. It's natural for sea turtles to have some barnacles attached to them, uh, particularly when the turtle was inactive for, for, for a period of time. And sometimes barnacles can be helpful for them as well uh, to provide camouflage uh, for them from its predators, uh, like sharks, sharks and, and crabs. However, it can also be a hindrance to the sea turtle for his swimming ability. Uh, it can increase the surface drag and so slow down a turtle's speed. And so is the religious traditions to a church. A healthy church would have some traditions that are attached to it, which, which express and points to the gospel. However, if a church grows too fond of its traditions and hold on to it a bit too much, if traditions get mistaken as the gospel itself, it can drag the church down. It can cause the church to mistake the secondary as the primary and cause the church to be an, in an unhealthy state. Also, removing barnacles from sea turtle, particularly from its soft tissue, uh, can be very painful. Uh, much like removing certain customary traditions within the church. It is hard work and sometimes can cause pain to the church. It's not an easy job to do. At times, it's hard to distinguish gospel, gospel principles from traditions, particularly those which have been attached to our church 
for a long time. Well, this is what Peter is facing as he was being criticized by the circumcised believers. To the Jews, food and who you eat with is a big deal. It is against their tradition to eat with Gentiles. It's not just about food and company. It's a tradition that they hold on to dearly to express their obedience to God. Uh, and in the face of this clashing between Jewish traditions and the gospel, how does Peter respond? In Peter's explanation, he can, we can see that he appeals solely onto God's authority. Uh, in verse 4, Peter starts his explanation by, uh, starting from the beginning, Peter told them that it's the Jewish, um, the Jewish party, uh, the circumcised party, uh, the whole story. In handling this criticism, Peter didn't appeal to his own authority as an apostle. He didn't say, well, I'm the rock of the church, I'm the leader, so listen to me. Instead, he points to what God has done. He points to the work of the three persons in the Trinity, how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is involved in this incident. First, the Father's work. In verses 8 to 9, three times Peter received the same vision from God, telling him what God has made clean he shouldn't call impure. It is not some vague vision that Peter receives and dreamed about. It is a clear message from God to Peter and happened three times. Second, the work of the Spirit. Uh, as the three men sent by Cornelius arrived, uh, the Spirit prompted Peter to go with them. And also, uh, later in verse 15, uh, as Peter was explaining gospel, uh, the Holy Spirit came on Cornelius just like he had came to the Jews uh, before in chapter 2. And finally, uh, Peter recalls Jesus' words at the very moment when the Holy Spirit came down. Uh, Jesus talked about this previously, uh, saying to Peter, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is something that Jesus has promised beforehand, and it fulfills here in Acts. Well, the whole incident happens under God. Peter makes this clear to the circumcised believers that he is doing what God asks him to do. Well, when making a decision, uh, we can rely on different authorities, uh, at least four different authorities, according to the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. Uh, we can rely on reasons to make our decision, whether it makes sense, whether it's logical, whether there's enough evidence to justify the conclusion. We can also rely on, on tradition, uh, like the circumcised believers here in our passage today. It's wrong to go into the house of an uncircumcised man and eat with them because this is the tradition. This is the custom that has been passed down for generations and it is accepted and followed by our community. 
we can also have experience as the authority to make our decision. I know this is true because of my own experience. I have seen it, I have witnessed it, I have some sort of experience with it, and, and that governs my decision. Uh, that shapes how I think and what I do. Well, in Peter's explanation to the circumcised believers, uh, he explained that he experienced uh, his experience with them, and, and ultimately his experience points to God. It is the God-given vision that he appeals to, the word of the Spirit that he listens and submits to, and the word of Jesus that gives Peter the confirmation that all these are from God. As Peter explains himself to these Jewish believers, he makes sure that they understand this is from God and not from himself. Well, church, this is how Peter handles this clash between human traditions and the will of God. That Gentiles are included within God's plan as well. Peter points to them God's revelation. He points to the work of the Spirit and the word of Jesus. So, back to our original question. For us today, when our Christian traditions are at odd with the gospel, how should we handle it? How should we distinguish human traditions from the gospel core? Do we wait for vision from God every time? Do we expect ourselves to fall in a trance like Peter uh, before we make a decision on what's just religious tradition and what's the gospel uh, that's given by God? Church, the time we are in now is different to Peter's time in Acts. Uh, during the time of Acts, uh, it was a pretty special time in salvation history. God was revealing new elements about his plan in Peter's time. For the first time, the Gentiles did not need to become a Jew to be accepted and included as God's people. And so in this special time, God has chosen to use signs and wonders and visions and miracles to help reveal his plan. And we ourselves, we are in a slightly different time to Peter now. I'm not saying God cannot use uh, visions and miracles to, to, to send to us today. God can do anything he desires. But the miracles today no longer have the same significance compared to the time in Acts. God has revealed everything necessary for salvation to us in our Bible. And so as Christians, we do not expect new revelation. Uh, everything we need, everything we need for salvation, God has told us through his word in the Bible. And so for us to imitate Peter's example, uh, we to allow God to be the ultimate authority in our decision-making by listening to Jesus' words, by allowing the Spirit to work in our hearts through the Bible, by understanding God's will as we carefully examine the gospel uh, revealed in the Bible. 
This is how we rely on God's authority. We express our reliance on God's authority by carefully and faithfully examining God's word. Uh, when I was a trainee, uh, one of the ways my pastors always remind us uh, is to slow down, to slow down in our Bible reading, uh, to find ways to slow down how we read the Bible, uh, whether it's with a pencil uh, to mark and highlight the passage in front of us, whether it's through continuous reading again and again of the same passage whether it's to intentionally use our second language to, to read the passage so that it will naturally slow us down in our reading. Well, why do we want to slow down our reading speed with the Bible? Because otherwise, we can easily skim through the passage, and in our skim reading, our brain will automatically fill in the gaps for us using our own knowledge, uh, what we already know, our traditions to make sense of what we are reading. And with God's word, with the Bible, we do not want to do this. Uh, if we want God's words to, to shape our decisions, to help us distinguish human traditions from gospel principles, to not just do what we are used to, but what God wants us to, we need to slow down the reading um, of our Bible, the process of our reading, to allow room for ourselves to work out the gospel principles in the passage, to allow us time to think through how to apply this gospel principle into our current, current world, uh, our own lives, and to pray and ask God to soften our hearts, to reveal to us our blind spots, so that our lives, our decisions are not based on our own desire, not based on our traditions, not ba but based on God's revealed word in the Bible. Well, by God's grace, the circumcised believers in Jerusalem accepted Peter's, Peter's explanation. In the face of their own tradition, being at odds with God's plan, they see through what they are used to and they align their understanding with God's revelation. And so in verse 18, they said, so then, even the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Well, as a church, let's be aware of our own traditions, our own traditions that can blind us from God's will, and let's be willing to remove them as long as they are hindrance to the gospel, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, we know that um, we are human, uh, and we are full of flaws, and we are full of blind spots, and our sin blinds us uh, from doing your ways doing your will. So, Father, please help us to um, soften our hearts to submit to your word and help us to examine ourselves, uh, to read your Bible carefully, your word carefully, and apply it to ourselves 
to see what are some of the traditions that we somehow adopted uh, and what are the gospel principles from your salvation plan. And when they are at odds, please help us to distinguish them and hold on to your gospel principles uh, and submit to your way, not our own traditions, our own way. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.